0: This episode of the Black Global podcast is sponsored by Blacksit Global Passport. Join aspiring Black expats, expats, and repats, where you can build community, get resources, and gain support along your journey abroad. You're invited to join Blacksit Global Passport. Inside Passport, you'll find exclusive workshops on everything from expat taxes, financial planning, insurance, job boards, accountability check ins, and more. You can even take Passport on the go with our app available for iOS and Android devices. Just click the link in the episode you're listening to or visit BlacksItGlobal.com and click on Passport. See you inside. You remember Deirdre Amola from Episode 2, Balance in Bali? Well, her Move Abroad Master Course is dropping in a few weeks, and she's partnering with Blacksit Global. I took the course back in June, and I can tell you firsthand, it is filled with gems. So I'm so delighted to bring this to the community. It's going to cover everything you need for your Blacksit, from budgeting, the visa process, to how to make money abroad, and so much more. Deirdre and I will be hosting a live event. When the enrollment opens, be sure to join the mailing list so you don't miss out. Visit BlacksatGlobal.com. Close your eyes and imagine living a life you love. Unapologetic and unbothered. Free from daily microaggressions from Karens and Kens. Free from the fear of police brutality and systemic racism. Wouldn't that feel amazing? Now open your eyes. What if I told you that it's possible? Hear inspiring stories and get the actual blueprints from brothers and sisters of the diaspora who are living out their wildest dreams abroad. You've heard the term, now be inspired by the movement. I'm Krishan Wright and this is Blacksit Global. Valerie Whalen embodies the phrase, bloom where you are planted. She's a business owner, meditation facilitator, Health and wellness coach and a Reiki healer. As an avid lover of all things spiritual, Valerie believes that there is an abundance of beauty all around us. We simply need to open our heart to truly experience it. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming her to BlackSick Global, all the way from Perth, Australia. Welcome to BlackSick Global, Valerie.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Before I start, I would just first like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that I live on today. The Wajik people of the Nunga Nation, past and present, acknowledging that this always was and always will be an aboriginal land. I think it's always important to acknowledge that wherever we go, there are traditional custodians and indigenous people that have lived there for thousands and thousands of years. And so I am incredibly grateful to call this place home.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so looking forward to us chatting today. Tell me about your life growing up in Inglewood. I'm from Inglewood, California. My parents
1: actually migrated from Nigeria before I was born in their mid 20s and they settled they settled in Inglewood, California and then of course they had myself, another sibling, my parents separated. Growing up in Inglewood was pretty similar to most young American and African American kids, you know, that city life, spending a lot of time playing outside um, with predominantly Black and Hispanic friends, and really just trying to find myself amongst the noise.
0: What did you do to kind of adjust? You know, some people play a musical instrument, some people kind of channel that and redirect it into physical activity. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I'm 6'1", exceptionally tall for a woman. So I ended up playing basketball, being approached in high school to play. And I sort of started to find um, a certain level of self-confidence and self-worth through sports, and especially like a team sport like basketball
0: what position did you play?
1: Well, I played power forward in high school, and then I moved on to um, play at Loyola Marymount University on a on a basketball scholarship. And in there, I played um, a mixture of power forward and center as well. One really interesting experience was that every four years, our university would send us overseas. In my freshman year, I was still only 17 at this point. We flew to Australia, um, and I just remember being in awe, you know, this new world completely different from America, yes, they speak English, but culturally quite different in many ways. And that kind of just sparked this sense of um, desire to explore more. It's just so important to actually just go and travel and see the different stories and narratives that exist around the world. Um, It really helps for our own personal evolution and growth.
0: Absolutely. Did you decide right away that you wanted to go to Australia or were there stops in between?
1: I was like everyone else. I was trying to get a job (laughs) (laughs) and I graduated, you know, um, during kind of when the bubble burst and we had that um, economic crisis, Mm -hmm. Um, it was really difficult to get a job at that time. It, It took me, you know, six months to land a decent job. And even then, because I'm from like the LA area, it's so competitive that I took a job offer to live in the bay area initially i was just following basically the blueprint that my parents set out for me <laughs> i think that's really common for a lot of people we tend to avoid questioning the intentions of our parents and trying to fulfill their desires and dreams almost subconsciously definitely wasn't conscious of that and i found myself in the corporate world in this cubicle <laughs> and really questioning like the decisions <laughs> I made to get to this point. <laughs> Did my parents really dream this for me? <laughs> right. I was just like, wow, like everyone keeps, you know, screaming American dream. Hopefully I can achieve American dream. And it's really, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that as well. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I just remember like looking around at my colleagues and just feeling, you know, this really deep sense of sadness that was often unspoken and covered with you know can't wait to have happy hour and all of these things to numb like the deep sorrow that we all had because we weren't living a fulfilling life
0: interestingly and I know we'll t- we'll spend some time talking about you know the current situation with the pandemic but I think one of the things that has come out of it is that people have had to learn to adapt in different ways because their normal method of coping has been stripped away so you can't you know go to the mall and do retail therapy you can't you know I mean I guess you could drink it away but you know <laughs> there are things that you know go to the gym or any of those other things good or bad that you did to kind of exist i don't know if it's lost souls or broken souls or just people that you know are living someone else's life For you, you knew that that was not where you wanted to be.
1: There wasn't anything special that I did to recognize that. I think it was just the continuous sense of emptiness that I couldn't ignore anymore. Going out and retail therapy wasn't really, it felt like I was just putting a Band-Aid over a pretty big wound. And so sometimes it, it means just really taking a look at yourself and is and asking yourself is this really bringing me joy and if it's not starting to explore other ways that you can experience that on a daily basis
0: so you you made your black sit
1: <laughs> definitely and very early on
0: yeah <laughs> when you started to do some serious research into deciding, hey, this isn't for me. I need to go somewhere else. How did you manage deciding on, one, where to go? And two, because you are a Nigerian American, your parents are from Nigeria. I'm sure that they had quite a lot to say about that. So You know, you can decide how you want to take the question. Maybe (laughs) start with mom and dad and then location.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love this question so much. If you have African parents that you know, they are definitely giving you the side eye. If you think, I want to follow my dreams, that's not a thing. (laughs) Um, Especially, you know, I think that there was one thing that I definitely acknowledge is that, you know, my parents gave up a lot to come to America and they are have lived most of their lives in survival mode. I think a lot of our parents have been that way. I guess if you're a millennial, <laughs> it's been pretty good. You know, we have our iPhones and our laptops and everything else. But you know, that wasn't the case for my parents when I did share that I was leaving because I definitely bought my ticket before I told my parents, they wouldn't agree with it because they're not me. You know, they don't see life the way that I see it. And And I don't expect anyone to see life the way that I see it. So there's no reason why I should wait for someone to approve because we usually respond based on our own perspectives and our own past experiences and often out of fear. I let my parents know this is something that I really need to do to really find myself. I feel incredibly unhappy in this situation. I've made this plan and I just hope that you both can support me. And they did. I felt like they were holding back like their real (laughs) feelings. They supported me all along the way. In terms of choosing australia or in particular perth which is like one of the world's most isolated cities it really came down to having a mentor so that was one focal point in my move abroad that really made a huge difference having someone who believed in my potential i um, took on two internships and in the internship i you know came across an older gentleman who owned his own business and i shared my dreams with him he was super keen to support me. So I just asked, you know, could you be my mentor and sort of hold me accountable? You know, if I say I want to do it, then like you can't let me run away from it. And he was more than happy to do that. He had contacts in Australia. He didn't have it in Europe because I wanted to move to Europe first, but he had contacts in Perth. And so he encouraged me to use my athleticism to see the world.
0: Your soul was seeking something so much more. And at that point in time, it's like, everything conspired to to get that to come together for you and so having that mentor to guide you to understand what it is that you were seeking and searching for i love the fact that that came together so well for you
1: yeah and you're completely right as soon as you set that intention life begins to unfold in really beautiful ways so i think like if there is anyone that especially you know african-americans black people If you feel like you're ready to move abroad, set the intention and trust the process
0: from a cultural perspective, and I've only been to Australia one time, and that was earlier this year before the lockdown. It's a a different culture, you know, like you're right. It's similar to America in that they speak English, but there are cultural differences. There are Aboriginal people there. Given our original conversation, I was really interested in learning more about the Aboriginal people. They're like the second oldest population outside of Africa. 75,000 years. So that is so much history there. A lot of people forget
1: or don't actually know that Australia has a Black history So when you say the word black in Australia, it means aboriginal people, but it also means African people. There are also Torres Strait Islander people as well, who are also indigenous to this land. So they make up about 500 different clans and over 200 languages. Unfortunately, about over 200 years ago, Australia was colonized by Europeans. We are part of the British Commonwealth, and a lot of aboriginal people were slaughtered Um, There was this period which was called the Stolen Generation for 60 years. It was part of the policy of assimilation where young Aboriginal people were taken from their home, five, six years old, seven years old. And they were forced into government institutions and missions and adoption agencies because they believed that the best way to help improve aboriginal culture was to erase it and erase the language actually they had a study done in, in 1994 and they found that during that time one in three aboriginal children were taken from their homes and those people still live today. This is not something that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. This actually ended in 1970. So I actually have friends whose parents are part of the still generation. And what you see the result of that is PTSD, addiction to alcohol, anxiety, massive rates of suicide, about 20% actually in Western Australia, Aboriginal men are 20 times more likely to end up in incarceration. So I do wanna just let everyone know also that when we talk about Black Lives Matter, that's deeply connected here in Australia and there are protests happening, continuously trying to elevate the voices of Aboriginal people and the atrocities that have occurred on this land
0: absolutely and it, and it's important to raise that awareness because while black lives matter and the rallying cry of the movement originated in in the US it has translated across the globe. And we have seen you know, protests erupt in different countries, whether it be because of atrocities that happen in those lands or in solidarity to the movement in the U.S. When I was doing some research about the stolen generation, I was struck by how much similarities it has to the struggle that many of us face in the U.S. And so I would definitely encourage people to do some research about the Aboriginal people, about the stolen generation, because it is important to know and understand that our struggle in you know some lands is universal and we right. have to do as much as we can to draw attention to those issues as well. It's incumbent upon us as Black people to really be in solidarity with our brothers and sisters because the colonists were not good people, clearly. Mm-hmm. And you spoke about that generational trauma. It's important to understand that for the mainstream culture, it's easy to point a finger and say, you are alcoholic. There's so much poverty without paying attention to the trauma that has been passed from generation to generation. And to your point, these things are not in the far past these are in the rearview mirror you know like for example in the states you know there's um movements to preserve black cemeteries my grandmother is in a segregated cemetery and i'm 46 years old so for people to think that slavery was a long time ago, that, you know, what happened to the aboriginal people, you know, gosh, that's really sad. But, you know, we honor them to pay attention to all of the issues and expose it and rip the bandaid off. It is painful, but we cannot erase it. And no matter how much you try to wish it away, it doesn't. You know, we're here with fully realized human beings. We have a right to have a range of emotions and be energetic. And so I'm really glad we we touched on that. But I want to take it a step further because you have mentioned the rates of incarceration among Mm -hmm. Aboriginal people. And I know that while we will get into, you know, your your enterprises and things like that, I was struck by the fact that, especially now in this movement, that you've become uh, a bit of an activist. So can you talk about that?
1: It's interesting because I've always been a person that feels an immense sense of compassion for, for others, especially those who are part of the marginalized group. Um, here, definitely Aboriginal people. Um, when I first arrived to Australia, my first friends were Aboriginal women there all Noongar women from down South to so Southwest, uh, Western Australia. And it was the first time within that group that I felt seen and celebrated for who I am rather than who people wanted me to be. And so I sat and I listened to their stories and I always knew that whenever I had the chance that I would speak up against any of the atrocities that are happening currently now and in the past um, and elevate their stories. I have been part of the Black Lives Matter movement here and I wanted to share, as you touched on, the commonalities that African-Americans and Aboriginal people share in terms of the, the past pain, as well as the anger and the, the frustration and the sorrow that still sits in a lot of our bodies. Because we haven't been given space to heal. We're constantly being told that that was in the past. Life is better now. And it's just not the reality that we see.
0: And I think that's a nice segue into, you know, your venture.
1: Yeah. So Brown Girl Bloom actually started as um, a Brown Girls Network in 2017. I had moved, actually, I should note that I moved to Bali for a year. And when I came back, I moved to Perth and I felt incredibly lonely. I realized that, you know, oftentimes what we have, we don't really appreciate until we lose it. The so sisterhood was something that came, it was innate. Like it, I always had friends. But when I came back to Perth, I felt that I was a bit disconnected from the Black community in particular. So I decided to create a space for new connections to form in my own kind of spiritual journey of self awareness and awakening, I realized that, you know, a lot of us need to, (laughs) I have a shirt here that says breathe. We need to acknowledge our emotions and our pain so that we can begin that journey, as you said, of healing. And what I noticed here in Perth is that most of the space, well, all of the spaces were very white and there's nothing, I have nothing against anyone that's creating a wellness space, but I felt like there was a significant lack of representation for black women, women of color. And I wanted to create a safer space for us to heal collectively without feeling like our feelings will be diluted because someone wants to
0: (laughs) diminish them because they themselves don't want to feel bad. Exactly. You know, representation matters more often than not. We don't see ourselves in that. I love that you recognize that it was important to provide that space. So talk a little bit about how you kind of cultivate that community.
1: Well, it starts from within. So as my healing journey continued on, I began to just intentionally visualize connecting with like-minded women. Um, And so when I created Brown Girl Bloom, it was almost natural that women felt drawn to it because of just that positive and abundant energy that they felt. Um and I started like everyone else usually starts, or if they are thinking about it, definitely Facebook groups are the way to go. And just consistency and commitment was were the two things that really helped for Brown Girl Bloom to evolve into what it is today, with over you know 300 members.
0: That is amazing, and you're right. It's the power of social media, as much as it has its challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are opportunities to find community. Your vibe yes. attracts your tribe, and so yes. I'm a firm believer in that. And that's evident with Black's of Global. You yeah. know, A lot of ways, this whole original like project, if you will, kind of came together out of response to what's happening in the state. The death of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and even after George Floyd's atrocious murder, Richard Brooks. You know, and. Yeah. So the list goes on and on and needing to channel all of that and create community. I created two groups. One is called Safe the African faces everywhere and then the natural evolution of that for me was I've been on this journey to do my own black sit so in 2023 when my daughter graduates high school. It was an outlet and you know now lo and behold is like more people come and all of this the podcast all of these things kind of blossomed and bloomed and you're blooming in some more ways as well as I was reading your bio and doing research and let's talk about Ayune hair. Everything that I create comes from within so
1: everything that I create is a reflection of my own personal journey. Uh, Ayune hair was born in Indonesia when I was extremely isolated and all I could do was be still. Um, I realized that we're all interconnected. Um, There's a lot of spiritual energy in Bali, interestingly enough, and I think that's probably why people are so drawn to it. I realized that I could align my own journey of growing and blooming with the concept of beauty and sort of shift it to show that there are layers to what beauty is. And I wanted to do that through a few ways. So one, selling ethical hair extensions. In the hair extension industry, oftentimes profit is more important than than purpose me, purpose is everything. And so I understand that my actions impact others. So I wanted to sell hair extensions that actually empower women rather than disempowering them. And also, I just share the different stories of the beauty in Black women in particular. So I like to play in those two things.
0: It's interesting. And you know, you talked about ethically sourced hair extensions. And for us as Black women, hair is always a controversial subject, whether it be our relationships with our hair, societal perceptions of our hair, and that plays into the workplace, self-esteem, but also the industry, the beauty industry in the U.S., um, especially as it relates to Black hair and Black extensions, Mm but dominated by people that don't look like us. And I know you touched on no purpose and profit. And so when you think about, you know, where you go to get your your hair beauty supply store they're dominated oftentimes by different asian communities and i'm just curious that in australia is that a similar phenomenon
1: um, no. <laughs> Interestingly yeah. enough, there aren't really many beauty supply stores in general. And so they're usually beauty salons that sell some hair. And it's really cool because if this for Black women, then it's usually owned by like an African woman. But they're very far and few between. But the only issue I have with that still is that there's not this like emphasis on like where the products are coming from. And I do believe that if we want to live in a conscious and collective community where we all feel celebrated, then we also have to, as Black people, be mindful of the choices that we make and how they impact others. So we don't want to mirror Western colonial practices. We want to break those down and go back to the natural ways of living. If we look at our, our African ancestors, it was always about the community first. With INA Hair, I agree with you. That was one of the other reasons why I wanted to start a hair extension business was because it is almost like completely owned by men and a huge percentages um, owned by Chinese and Korean men. If the black hair industry is like for us, then shouldn't we be the ones selling to one another?
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> right. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't get that. I will say though as well, that I always make a point of, encouraging women to celebrate their natural beauty. So INA hair is not about masking the way that you were naturally born. It's about celebrating the different forms of self Um, So I've been natural since 2008, and I would never go back to relaxing my hair. But I also like playing with different looks. And if we look at, again, our ancestors, hair was a big part of like their creative expression.
0: I love what you just said, because it is, it's about being able to embrace your natural self in whatever form or fashion that is. And also being allowed to experiment, you know, other Mm -hmm. people, other cultures experiment with their hair. It's not seen as controversial or weird or out of place or that they're assimilating. It's a way to express themselves. So there's a lot of history in our hair that unfortunately, that knowledge hasn't been transferred or as widely known. And so I just love the, the mission of your company and how you're trying to, one, source things quickly, <laughs> but also be um, like a full spectrum of beauty.
1: Mm, yes, definitely. It's all about the beauty of storytelling. And that is what you know beauty really is. They're, they're the layers uh, of stories that we have lived in the future stories that we will tell. So it's about your journey and what you experience. So I often say that beauty is like the inner radiance that comes out. So there's no singular way of defining that. And that's what I use INA Hair to to share.
0: One of the things that I'm actually curious about is the pandemic. The U.S. response is a bit of a hot mess. It's also kind of entangled with our elections that are coming up. Definitely, there's been a lot of attention to the oceanic countries, whether it be mm-hmm. Australia or New Zealand, in their response to the pandemic. How has that been for you? Well, it's quite different from America, and I will say that you know I uh,
1: constantly thinking about everyone in the. US because I know that it's been incredibly challenging for everyone and there are people that have lost their uh, lost family members. I mean, my mom is a, a nurse in an emergency room in Los Angeles. she kind of sees the worst. Um, it's really distressing to say the least. Here in Australia, well, Western Australia in particular, so there are some benefits, like I mentioned initially. Perth is one of the most isolated cities in the world. And so that within itself meant that we had very little exposure to like COVID-19 cases. By March, they locked down, they shut down all borders. Um, They're still shut down. So you can't even travel outside of the state that you live in, which I think is actually a really great response to control the amount of cases that arise. Another thing is that we were forced into quarantine, which I know it's super annoying for people because, you know, as humans, we're meant to expand. We're not meant to like feel suppressed. And we also need human connection. It's a, actually a significant part of our, our well-being. It's, um, one thing that the government did really well is that they are giving out payments to anyone that has lost their jobs. So we call them job seekers. And I think they're getting about 750. It might be a week or fortnight. I could be completely wrong on this, but they're still giving those out. Um, so people are still able to pay their bills to a certain extent and cover expenses. So it's been really well controlled in here in WA.
0: You did say something that I want to uh, give a little explanation to. I've heard the term before, but you said fortnight, right?
1: Oh, or, sorry. Yes, yeah. yeah, Fortnite.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for people who, don't, who have not heard that word, <laughs> what, what does it mean?
1: Oh, I always, there are like some Australian, because we uh, they say that Australians speak the Queen's English. Fortnite means every two weeks,
0: at least where you are in Western Australia it's under control in terms of the pandemic. How is, generally speaking, how is healthcare there? Um, You know, you have this uh, experience in the US where healthcare is tied to employment and a different system. How is the system in Australia?
1: So much better than America. We have universal healthcare here, it's called Medicare. So everyone is entitled to that as long as you're a permanent resident or you're an Australian citizen. So if, if you need to go to the hospital, like the public health care system is just as good. I actually had to have ankle surgery a few years ago, um, and I didn't want to pay the private health insurance amount. It was like five grand. So I decided to opt to be in the public system, and I was admitted within like a few weeks. And it was amazing. Actually, the surgeon was better than the private <laughs> surgeon. So...
0: Incredible, because a lot of times when you hear other countries that have universal health care, especially in the U.S. and U.S. media, it's often at least maybe not so much from the media as much as it is politicians that are trying to push their own agenda, is like, oh, this is socialism. This is socialism without really understanding, A, what it actually means, and B, um, being put in practice where you have this opportunity when you're sick or just need a wellness check to go to a physician and be treated for whatever malady you have. It's interesting that, you know, you had a better service experience being in the public system than going on a privatized system.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't, this is definitely not something linked to socialism. It's just covering the basic needs of society, because I think Australia understands that everyone needs to have health care. <laughs> like if they're sick, they should be able to seek remedies to get better and that no one should be unwell because they can't get coverage. It's just very backwards to me.
0: And no one should go bankrupt because yeah. they got sick. I think there have been so many different experiences, people who have not gone and sought treatment because they were afraid of what the bill would be, you know, and things like that. Or I also think about the many people who have been impacted by this pandemic in the States who either have recovered, were on respirators, whether they had insurance or not, if you're in a respirator uh, or a ventilator for days, the, the ripple effect is at some point, you're going to get a bill, you know, you might exhaust your benefits. And so there is, in my opinion, likely a tsunami of other effects of this on an economic level in this country that we're ignoring. To me, you're right, it's not an issue of socialism, it's an issue of humanism.
1: Yeah, there's no way around that. And I mean, it's likely that I've come to that understanding because I live here, and live in a completely different reality and sort of waking up to the lies that we've been fed in America.
0: For those of us especially that have realized that, you know, we want to get out of the matrix and we want to black yeah. it. There are opportunities to realize your dreams outside of this country. And doesn't mean that you disparage it, doesn't mean you hate it, doesn't mean you don't love your family that's still here, doesn't mean that everybody who looks like us needs to leave. It's to recognize that for us, our journey is different and it should be embraced and respected.
1: Yes, I completely agree with you. It's almost like leaving creates a blank canvas to really discover who we really are beyond the ideologies of the American culture. And um, you're quite right. It doesn't mean that, you know, personally, I don't despise America. I love being American. I love, you know, where I grew up. I just felt like it was no longer serving me as I began to evolve. And I think that a lot of people are waking up to that now.
0: Absolutely. So, in closing, where can people find you, Valerie?
1: First, thank you so much again for inviting me to join you in this beautiful conversation. I am I always aspire to inspire other African Americans to really Seek what true fulfillment looks like for them. And it doesn't, like you said, it does not always have to be on American soil. Challenges are inevitable. They will happen no matter where you go. But I think that there is beauty in the unknown and it's there for the taking. Um, my social media channel where you can find everything else, Brown Girl Bloom and INA Hair, is um, on Instagram at Brown Abroad. So that's Brown, Bell, B-E-L-L-E, Abroad.
0: Awesome. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you and to sit in sisterhood. I am so glad that we connected and I look forward to watching you continue to bloom and evolve. And I'm just so thrilled to have this time to sit and converse with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Blacksit Global Podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to visit our website at blacksitglobal.com. Has this episode left you feeling inspired to begin your journey, but not quite sure where to start? Download our free guide with the top five questions you need to ask before planning your Blacksit. You can find that under the resources tab of our website. Remember, it's not only possible to live out your dreams unbothered and in full color, it is your birthright. Are you trying to sort out health plans, banking, VPN, and other connectivity for your move abroad? Well, have no fear. We've got you with the Move Abroad Starter Kit. Get yours today at Blacksitglobal.com slash resources. That's Blacksitglobal.com slash resources.